0: Stepping of this man, Luke Johan,
1: bounce off from McNulty, and away he goes! Harry McNulty's night gets away, night up to the 22, he won't be caught!
0: Episode 10, welcome back! It is the full squad today. Um, Doc and Harry are joining me. How are we doing, Luke? How's life in Hong Kong?
2: Uh, All good. Thanks very much. Just sitting in my new flat. Uh, Me and my girlfriend Meg have just uh, got into our own place. Been previously living in uh, like a Team Valley flat with two of the other lads, which was great fun. Took me right back to kind of uni or early days in college at rugby. Um, But now back to a bit more normality, getting our own place. Uh, And I was just telling Harry there that it's one street above the famous LKF, Lang Kwai Fong, in. central Hong Kong. So when you come out we'll be able to uh sample all uh all all uh, that central Hong Kong has to offer and we'll be less than a stone throw away because we're up a hill
0: a little bit you could probably hit the sea. I'll be missing I'll be going missing quite a few few evenings if uh if you're above L LKW. LKF? LKF L- Fong L- how do you spell it?
2: You can go to LKW if you want. Me and I ha- <laughs> yeah. yeah. have be in LKF
1: all the lads are down in the LKW there.
2: Lang Wong, that was. <laughs> How are you, lads? How are you getting on, Hazza?
1: Fantastic, lads. Um, obviously, was on the road for about two and a half, close to three weeks, with Hamilton and Sydney, and then um, made it home on the Tuesday. And by Thursday, I was up in Belfast, Northern Ireland, and I had the pleasure of having Chris Knight. Join me for a little weekend away with the lads. Uh, Great crack. Now, I must say, I'm very fortunate to be in a position where I was working with the tourism board of Northern Ireland. So that everything was taken care of. Great hotels, food, um, different tours, and just a great laugh. So I had one of the best weekends I've had in a very long time. You can ask Chris on his opinion. He might not feel the same way, but (laughs) (laughs) my point of view... (laughs) One of the best weekends I've had in a long time.
2: Now you said he hated it. Couldn't wait to go home,
0: he told me.
1: Right, ask him about the walking tour we did at the end, the photo walking tour. It looked like he wanted to be anywhere else.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it was uh, some crack we had uh, that weekend. Uh, the walking tour was a street art tour, but I was severely hungover. So, and my choice of clothing was abysmal. I took the piss out of Harry because he was wearing like 18 layers and I wore a t-shirt and a thin coat and I was Baltic, absolutely Baltic. I was almost begging him for a coat by the end of it. <laughs> it,
1: was, it was three degrees when we woke up. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to take layers with me. It went up to about A's by the time the tour started. But
0: Do you know what I loved about that day is that you put up on your story that lovely sunrise from the window, and it was, in fact, that me that filmed it, and Harry was sleeping. He just gave me his phone. He was like, take a video. I need it for social media, like proper boyfriends of Instagram. But the... uh the whole weekend was just uh non-stop last from start to finish didn't get off to the best start so um whenever me and harry go away i've got this thing where i bring him a condom and i slip a condom on his pillow i uh, just, <laughs> just did it once and it's stuck uh i did it hang, 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 hang on now the condom stuck to the pillow <laughs> you just no condom on the top of the pillow you know like a chocolate you know like room service does you know sometimes a little 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 treat so cho- chocolate condom on the chocolate pillow. Got it. <laughs> Lovely. But I put a little story up on my social and Harry's agency got in contact asking me asking him to tell me to take it down because it was inappropriate. So I was like, right, we've gone off to a we've gone off to a screamer here. Meanwhile, we were down we were down the spa for about two hours mm. sipping cocktails and enjoying ourselves. So probably Sandra in whatever agency was probably going mental because they're trying to get us to take that down. But anyway, it was a great trip, really good time. Really enjoyed Belfast, Um, incredible city. We'll we'll go back. And the the people uh, were were fantastic. We met some characters. We met some real characters.
1: Characters, to say the least. Oh, my God. But you know what? Like, um, when you get a job for one of these tourism boards, there's always sort of like a, a brief in terms of what they're looking for. And they wanted to show, like, how Northern Ireland has, like, a lot of amazing things going on, like activities and all that, but also the people as well. And I think the people that we met were just incredible, just hilarious, sort of mad as a box of frogs, essentially, is a good <laughs> way to describe But really just genuinely good people who uh, wanted to just show off Belfast and the surrounding area to the best of their ability. And I think they did a very good job in that.
0: Unreal. New name for me and Harry's tours, it's uh, chorizo and mozzarella. So I have the skin tone of a ball of mozzarella. And Harry's slightly more tanned after his time in uh, Sydney. So yeah, chorizo and mozzarella's tours. Um, But yeah, the people, the, the receptionist at one of the hotels was just absolutely mental. Um, she was crazy. Oh, crazy! Absolutely crazy! But do you remember her name? Do you want to give her a shout out?
1: We couldn't even get her name out of her. Like she was literally that nuts. She was from Northern Ireland, but spoke to us in four different accents. By the time we had checked into the room, <laughs> she greeted us in like sort of an Essex style, then started speaking like in Northern Ireland. She ended up, lady, she did like some sort of Indian at one stage. And she had something else come out, maybe like Polish or something in the middle as well. Um, and then she's like, okay, see you tomorrow. Good luck. Bye, guys. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Madness. We did paddle boarding. That was, that was hilarious. We did like aqua cycling where we were cycling on the water. Again, hilarious. Um, cocktail tour, a cocktail tasting. The only negative was the cocktail tour was the same time as the Wales Island game. But as a Welshman, I was kind of glad... I miss, miss most of that, but God, we were we were we were quite pissed by the end of that. It was seven cocktails across five bars, shit up, so...
1: Yeah, but it was you know you could do one of these tours, and I think what was it was it, it was sixty seven pounds or something. So like sort of works out if you're getting a tour on that many cocktails. But usually when you do one of these tours, you sort of expect like someone with some pre made cocktail that they pull out of the back of a fridge somewhere, and then they just sort of pour it into a jug. Or into your cup and go. Yeah, there you go. There's a cocktail. Like on your way. This was like the history of cocktails, sort of associated with it. So every cocktail that we had was in a bar that specialised in a certain cocktail, and they made them fresh. Basically, when we walked in the door, so we were having unreal, like really strong drinks the in- entire way through. The first one, what was it? Sazerac, Salarak? Can't, couldn't pronounce it, but essentially the first ever cocktail that was documented. And it was horrible. It was mixed with (laughs) absinthe. Uh, Then that was number one.
0: Am I still just drug paint stripper? It was (laughs) horrible. What was it? Was it whiskey or bourbon? It
1: was bourbon bitters and absinthe or something bizarre. Uh, We had margaritas. We had espresso martinis, whiskey sours. Uh, What was the one that your favorite one? Out of the merchant was the sailors'
0: seafarers' punch first sponge.
2: you just uh, like the name of that one night i know you do you mm-hmm. hated the actual
1: drink <laughs> and then we had a martini which was just gin and vermouth chilled
2: so, <laughs> oh my god oh, this is a that's a clean-off cocktail
1: tour clean-off yeah highly recommend if you're in belfast yeah recommend it
0: and then we went and sunk some delightful guinness
1: in where did we go for the guinness the we went to the garrick and the Duke of York. Well, that was class, the Duke of York. And the National.
2: I think I might have been to those, actually, as well. Um, did you do much of the um, The thing I found fascinating in Belfast was a lot of the history around, obviously, the troubles that went on and the art and the pubs and cage pubs and all that? Didn't do any of that?
1: Unfortunately, no, that wasn't uh, in the schedule. Like We were there from Thursday to Sunday, but we had anywhere from two to three things on every single day have already organized on on the behalf of tours northern ireland i think they probably wanted us to do things that people wouldn't expect to do in belfast that makes sense trying to promote like different parts whereas if you go there obviously the first thing you're probably going to think about is doing something associated with the troubles and like all the political uh fighting that went on and all that kind of thing so it means I'm due another trip up to Belfast. I've always wanted to do what's called the Black Cab Tour. I don't know if you ever got a chance to do that. Yeah.
2: No, I didn't get a chance. It was the one thing I wanted to do, but um, we just went there and actually just went and visited the pubs and some of the other more like fame. It literally scratched the surface of it. But um, yeah, I guess that's why Belfast is such a sick city, I guess, isn't it? There's loads of stuff to do. The Europa think? <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> Harry was like, "That's the most bomb- bombed hotel in the world." I was like, "Oh, great!"
2: I think we went and stood outside that as well, and we were like, "Okay, sick." Next,
0: <laughs> no, we did um, a street art walking tour, and that kind of touched on a lot of a little bit of the troubles. We we passed one pub called the Sunflower, which apparently there was a big shooting in there, but they kept the gates uh, outside the entrance, the the metal gate um, the sort of entry. That was that was very interesting but yeah it was great a a highlight actually was in the garrick when we met that character harry 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 got him hot and sinker
1: (laughs) to walk into this pub we've actually missed the ireland wales game and we're halfway through the england scotland game by the time we get in there there's five welsh blokes right in the middle of the pub uh, beside the bar they're all wearing their welsh jerseys obviously Nighty being from Wales. We walk in and I scream at like the top of my lungs. Come on, Wales! During the England Scotland game, this fella turns around in like this Irish jacket. It's Scotland, you idiot! <laughs> 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 it's Serious. And from that point on, he had such a like. He was he had a vendetta against us. Um, I was like, I've got you hook line and sinker, mate. Like I'm taking the piss. There's a bunch of Welsh lads standing beside you. He's from Wales. Starts quizzing nighty about oh if you're from wales pronounce the longest town name or train station name in the country and all this kind of stuff
2: go on then, nighty
0: i can't remember it's like <laughs> clan fair or go, 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 something like that and i said Nailed that it. and he was like oh well done well done he's like yeah i went to uh yeah i went to anglesey once and then i went okay cool he's like it's where i shagged your mother and i was like this like a 50 year old bloke by himself and i was like you what but as quick as a flash i went you didn't mate she uh she wasn't from the dark ages and she didn't have the bubonic plague and he he went (laughs) oh 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 he's like i'm gonna come back for that and off he went and then he came back again he was like what are you two piss artists doing in belfast and then he called harry tommy fury (laughs) (laughs) he's like your mate looks like that influencer Love Island boxer guy Tommy Fury and I was like oh god and he was weird he was, he was by himself he didn't really have any mates and it was just it was ah, weird
1: look each pub has their own character and we know how to draw attention to them anyway 90, that's for sure great crack
0: uh, but yeah we had we had a great crack we had a great crack um, but moving on from that Doc how, how's, how's things been in Hong Kong because you've been doing some work for the uh Hong Kong, is it Hong Kong Rugby Union or the Hong Kong Sevens?
2: Yeah, the Hong Kong Sevens. So uh, yeah, It's uh, kind of, uh, yeah, pretty much the Hong Kong Union, but obviously that's coming up into April. Uh, has a should be out here, and then night, hopefully you're coming out as well. Um, but I had a chat with a few of the management there and uh, wanted to get involved, trying to make some content, see if you can share the buzz around the Sevens. Um, the one that happened a few months ago that was... Kind of a warm up, uh, hadn't happened for three years. And this is the one they're targeting that they wanted to be like a massive event. Full capacity again, uh, and like everything in the week building up to it as well, like the tens, the long lunches, the kind of parties that go on all week. So, yeah, it's it's a massive opportunity um, just to make some content. So, I got to go and film in the empty stadium with the men's and women's team, and then got a few other bits and bobs lined up potentially, like a ticket giveaway and things as well. So. Um. Yeah, keep your eye out on the This is Seven's page just to see what's going on there. But yeah, no, great opportunity and uh, loving getting stuck into it.
1: Mate, I've heard some good things about those long lunches out in Hong Kong. Mm, they are meant to be brilliant.
2: Same, yeah. Like I've uh, chatted to a few of my mates who have been here for a few years and uh, yeah, apparently it's absolute carnage. So a lot of the big businesses or rugby clubs or just people who i pretty well off here in Hong Kong, just organized these massive dinners. So I know there's a big Scottish society one that goes on. Um, some absolute crazy number. If you want to buy a, a seat or a ticket, or a whole table so often some of the big businessmen and women will pay to have some of the rugby players come along Uh, and apparently it's just absolute carnage full day on the on the sauce and unreal meal and then kick on probably for a couple of days into the sevens and so yeah apparently they're unbelievable apparently a few of them are coming back this year so yeah looking forward to that surely
1: a behind the scenes full coverage this is Sevens. It would be cool. Video incoming, please.
2: It would be cool. It would be cool.
0: You need to strap a GoPro to your head, like uh, the train <laughs> guy, and get everything. Get your reaction.
1: <laughs> Sipping pints. Front and back of the head. Don't miss anything. Stick a 360 as well.
2: 360 unicorn straight on top, block.
0: No, it's going to be wild, uh, this this Hong Kong Sevens. So like you said, the first one uh, this season was a bit of a warm up and with everything relaxing and everything coming back, it should be bigger and hopefully better than ever. So looking forward to that and looking forward to seeing the content that emerges from this is sevens page.
2: Cheers. Yeah, I think the other thing that I didn't realize was that the Hong Kong women have never actually played at the Hong Kong sevens. Um, Uh, sorry, the World Series women haven't played at the Hong Kong Sevens before. Like obviously now it's just the norm of what happens on the World Series. Uh, That's actually quite a big milestone that's been hit this Hong Kong Sevens as it's traditionally um, the uh, uh, reprochage, which uh, obviously, Harry, you knew all about, men's and women's reprochage to try and qualify for the World Series Uh, this year. Uh, It's just the World Series men, World Series women, so it's going to be the creme de la creme, massive tournament, and uh, hopefully yeah, the stadium and the fans kick on into it as well.
0: Yes, Siree. Now, before we review Sydney Sevens, Doc, uh, what is your this is, this isn't Sevens this week?
2: So I'll start with, uh, this isn't Sevens, just one thing, uh, some big news uh, post-Sydney Sevens was uh, Henry Hutchinson being ruled out for the year with his ACL injuries. So not what we want to see, had him on the pod a couple of episodes ago. Ago, He was an unbelievable guest and he's been on fire this year with Australia Sevens, was just going from strength to strength, just kicking on after a few class years. Uh, But he's been ruled out for the rest of the season. So best of luck with the recovery there uh, for Henry. Uh, So that's This Is in Sevens for this week. uh, This is Sevens, a few shout-outs from the Sydney Sevens. Uh, First of all, Sarah Hirini from New Zealand. We gave the New Zealand men a shout-out for the lad to hit 50 in New Zealand. Um, Sarah Hirini also hit 50 in the women's New Zealand team in Hamilton which was special so that they did a big kind of post-tournament celebration for her, got her family on the pitch, big kind of like 50 sign that was pretty cool to see uh sydney sevens max McFarland hit 100 tries so uh he's been a roommate of mine play with him with gb he's just one of those players that everybody loves to watch he's quite unconventional in how he is on and off the pitch which makes him such a great character and uh he hit 100 tries in sydney which is a massive achievement uh Uh, Also, big shout-out to Maddie Levi, Michaela Blyde, absolutely tearing up the women's series. They're on 24 and 22 tries, respectively. Uh, But this week, this is sevens. I'm sure you all saw it on social media. But uh, Uruguay versus Spain, the header from Giel Lichtenstein to take the ball up the length of the pitch, then pop it to a teammate, score under the post, lots to lo- love about this one just the um ingenuity of using your head and then two like the commentary from Sean Maloney and Carl Zanana is just top draw so this week's this is sevens is uh Giel Lichtenstein so did you uh I'm sure you saw that Lance what's your thoughts on that
1: yeah saw that never thought of using my head but <laughs> might have to start using it now get me out of a few situations I reckon
2: Unreal. The only other time I think that we've probably seen that is um, the Kenyan header off the kickoff to his teammate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. Brilliant. But um, yeah, when uh, Sean Maloney starts laughing at something on commentary and keeps trying to talk, I think it's some of the best rugby commentary in the world. And uh, he lost the plot
1: watching the replay of that. So it was unreal. But can I add to a, this is and isn't sevens as well? Yeah, let's go. Main line. Isn't Sevens, I don't know if you saw as well. New Stub, he tore his ACL in Singapore last year, has redone his ACL.
2: Oh, never. Oh, I don't yeah, know about that.
1: Got, it just came up on social media there, like in the last 24. So, obviously, a great player for New Zealand. Um, got to got to hang out with him a small bit down when we were in, in the mount. And he was going through his rehab and he was trying to aim up. Uh, was it, I think, I think it might have been Hong Kong, maybe? I um, was sort of in a sights, but so, uh, shame that that's happened to him. But then, this is Sevens, is the, the shipmate lads. They were, they were up at the Sydney Sevens. I don't know if you saw their content, but, um, they were class. The two lads are a brilliant crack. Uh, brought them, like, they came on the night out that we had in Sydney, and they ended up missing their flight the next day. So <laughs> they gave Always it a full wax. They were dressed up, they were down in the sort of, It was actually a South Stand in Sydney. We can get to that. That's just what it was named. But they were there for the whole weekend, getting amongst it, getting content, and then gave it a good crack afterwards too.
2: Unreal. Good shouts there. I reckon New Stub would be a great guest to get on. He's got a pretty interesting story of how uh, he made it into the uh, All Blacks jersey. Um, I don't know anything
1: about that. That'd be cool.
2: Yeah, no, he's, uh, it's an interesting little story. I've chatted to him a few times, uh, about that. So no, and he's, uh, he's a good lad as, uh, you know, so he'd be a great one to go on. But yeah, no, I did see they, they did the video with the Levi sisters, I think, didn't they? That was good and, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That went, uh, that went off at the, well, on TikTok and Instagram.
1: I'm not your bro. Bro, <laughs> I'm not your bra.
2: <laughs>
0: my, um, my this is sevens is Harriet Minotti's try, uh, against oh, who was it? <laughs> got the offload from Jordan Conroy from 50 out, and he didn't want the offload. But my god, the, the facial expressions on you, you were ah, oh, galactic acid, you name it. Like, I think you were two minutes into overtime,
1: you <laughs> coming out of my ears. Oh, Christ. <laughs> One of those ones where you get the ball and you're just looking for somebody else to bloody give it to. I'm
0: sure the commentator said, he's got it. He didn't want it, but he's got it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're the ones where you're hoping there's a defender tracking across so you can pass to someone else.
1: Yeah, literally. Uh, but look, hey, okay. never going to say no to a try, are you? Really? Added up, like. But um, geez, that was tough going. That was tough going.
0: Ah, Fair play. We'll we'll, we'll speak about Ireland in a sec, but looking back on the Sydney Sevens, uh, the women's tournament, uh, New Zealand beat France uh, 35-0 to win their third straight title in Sydney and their third straight win in the last three events. Uh, USA beat Ireland 12-5 to win bronze. And Australia, surprisingly beaten by France in the quarters, uh, finished fifth beating uh, Fiji 36-12. In the men's, uh, New Zealand uh, made it uh, an all-blacks clean sweep to beat South Africa 38-0 to win gold. Um, They also kept Samoa scoreless in the quarters and Thrash France in the semis. South Africa is the first time they've been kept scoreless in nine years. Uh, They'd also won the eight previous finals. So pretty impressive to keep them scoreless in a final. Uh, It's also the fifth different winner this year in five different tournaments for the men. Uh, Third place went to Fiji who beat France 29-5, and Samoa finished fifth, uh, beating Ireland 24-12. Now, big losers from the men were USA and Argentina, who did not make it through to the quarterfinals. Um, Hazard, we'll speak to you first. Uh, what's your verdict on Sydney from your point of view, and, and how did you feel the tournament went?
1: Um, before I go into my side, did you, did you see that New Zealand, both across the men and women, only let in one score in finals day? So... New Zealand men only let in one try, so the rest of the results were to nil. That's the stat that came up. So
2: that is that is nuts, crazy
1: across the men and the women. Um, yeah, insane. But uh, Sydney, I thought as a competition itself was fantastic. Uh, really, wasn't sure about the crowd, what it was going to be like numbers wise. There was a lot of talk say even just before the Hamilton tournament or just as Hamilton finished in the week leading up to Sydney, that ticket sales were quite low um, or lower than they would have liked. But there was a fantastic crowd there for the entirety of the tournament, really. um, I think that the the stadium itself is in quite good locations, quite accessible in Sydney, which helps. And the weather was really good. And the weather had been pretty bad across New Zealand and Sydney before we'd come down. So I think that was probably one of the reasons that a lot of people didn't buy tickets. They're like, I'm not going to go sit for eight hours in a stadium while it's pissing rain for the whole weekend. So the good weather probably helped. Um, It was like a mini Ireland in one of the stands. There was people from all over Ireland that I bumped into when I went up after uh, the tournament. I couldn't believe some of the faces that I saw and just people I hadn't seen for years from all over. We had Great support. Every time we went to go warm up, they were singing, cheering, chanting. For us, warming up, not even the game that was being played. Uh, Great support. Uh, It was very, very cool. From From a performance side, pretty happy with the fact that we were able to keep some consistency across the results. So coming sixth in Hamilton and sixth in Sydney, it's such a tough competition. So just being able to keep pushing and get those results a bit higher is the goal. But um, when we were in Dubai and Cape Town, unfortunately we went second and 12th. So like that's, that's more harmful than anything really. Um, but yeah, I just think there's a few key moments in some of those games where we can just take control a bit better and, you know, get out of the quarterfinals and make it into semis and, and push on. And um, I was really happy with the way that we played against uh, USA. I think, Probably one of the best performances we've we've had during the season and you you have to look at those performances and kind of say to yourself like why can't we play like that all the time i know it's very difficult like to to just say that or and to do it but um, it kind of gives you a standard of which you're chasing it all the time and you know that if you play that standard or very close to it that you're going to get those results that you're looking for so uh i'm i'm excited for the next Two legs, LA, Vancouver. It's just over halfway through the season. There's only ten points between third and ninth at the moment, and France being up in the top four means that we would need to get into fifth in order to qualify for the Olympics this season. So, what is it, probably only eight points um, between ninth and fifth. So it's not that much. One one really good result will get you up there really quickly. So I'm really looking forward to the you know, this, this set of the legs coming up and, and really trying to push for for some places.
2: Yeah, that's class. Like I think um that's definitely where you guys finished where like now you touched on um in Argentina, I think that's that's thrown that third, fourth position right open again which is uh, quality to see that's going to come right down to the wire, I think. Um, It's interesting that mentality or like, why do you play like that every game? I reckon that's probably a patch that every single team has gone through or player at some point. And um, I guess that's kind of the interesting side of sevens because I think there's so many more factors that go into it with the travel, different players, different competition, short turnarounds, things like that. Um, Is there kind of one thing you'd, you'd aim at that you'd think you need to get better or 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 is that the million dollar question kind of thing
1: <laughs> I think we have an answer for the million dollar question it's not really a case of you know players capability or like even the style of rugby that we want to play like you know we made a final in dubai so it's not a case of we haven't been able to get out of the pool but we've had like one or two good games it's a case of we've had one or two good games but we can't Just replicate it every single time or we haven't been able to replicate it every single time which is putting us under pressure when we shouldn't be under pressure um which is why you'll probably you'll end up losing like clutch games um we think it's like it's a strong word but like attitude and it's not like no one wants to be there but i think that there's sometimes where people might be poorly prepped or just like their mentality like this before the game just isn't in the right place, and you these cliche terms like "Oh I'm just not in it," or you know i couldn't get I couldn't get myself up for the game things like that can uh kind of come across and it happens in every team it happens with every player, but I think it's just we need to figure out how can we minimize that, and is there certain things that we can do in the dressing room in warm ups um in the in the lead up to the tournament um that will allow guys to get themselves into that correct headspace because everybody's been in that headspace so it's a case of what do you need to do to get there yourself everyone's different so some people they just need to make sure that they know every single detail and the clarity around everything um, they'll ask you so many questions before games because I guess that's just their way of like ticking boxes then other people just sit down in the corner and just listen to music and other people are screaming or whatever but
0: what's yours Has?
1: uh I like to try and warm up like as fast, like not as fast, but as, like to the best of my ability. So, like, anytime we're doing something in the warm up, I'm trying to like do it really high end. So, if it's trying to tackle a pad, or if it's trying to like rock, or even just like making a pass, it's just trying to make sure that I'm doing those to the best of my ability rather than trying to just go through a warm up. Or some guys actually uh, say, Terry. Great example. He would just take the warm up as easy as possible. And it's just what suited him because he's like, I don't want to waste my energy running around here. Like, I need all the energy I can possibly get for this game. So he would just kind of, you know, toss a shoulder into you, um, pass and kind of jog after a ball, all that kind of thing. Whereas I'm trying to run around like a greyhound because I know that that's what I'm trying to get. Like try like I get a second wind, I suppose. And if I do that, I'm sort of I'm in the game then. But in the dressing room, then pretty calm at that stage. Like, what you can't do anything else, can you really? You just have to. You're just ready to run out there. So can't try and overcomplicate things. Um, but yeah, I guess like if you want a broad tournament, like added an attitude surrounding certain games, um, during a tournament, that would, that would be key for us.
0: Nice. Doc, did you do anything to get into the headspace to play?
2: Um, a little bit. This is one I've actually had kind of a change around and problems or things that were kind of throughout my whole career. Um, not always just because of me, but being in that captain role as well and us having lots of real young lads with Wales, there's just times where you're trying to get yourself into the right headspace and you can just see like boys pissing about. Um, I agree with you there's people who are like either like really switched on or more chilled out but you're sitting there looking at you are like oh there's like young lads here who don't really know either way and maybe don't quite care how the game comes off or they tear up when they play under 20s rugby and they think it's just going to happen when you play against the men so I found a lot of my there was a good like six seven months Uh, in my career where I probably spend way too much time trying to worry about other people Um, uh, which eventually I was like right I just need to look after myself and uh, I was always, the things I always say to myself I'll just go out and play and then just look for the next job. And then, a bit like you in the warm up, Harry, I'm someone who needs to be uh, full goo 100% in the warm up, just uh, feel like you're zipping around, feel like you're feeling fresh, feel like you're, you, you know, worked up to the right level. Like, not going around banging heads off the wall, but more in just like, Moving with purpose, moving with the energy you want to move in the in a game. Because um, yeah, quick movements, but try and keep pretty chilled in the mind. To be honest,
1: yeah, I think as well, it's an interesting point, Luke, when you mentioned like the captaincy role. Um, like I've been sort of in a leadership position for a few years. Just you know, obviously been in the team for so long, um, and I've played quite a few tournaments that even. You start, yeah, your mind can get distracted with like other players sometimes because you know what they're capable of doing in terms of like their playing ability. But you're just like, are you in that place where you're going to perform to that ability? And it's like, I didn't, you know, if someone does it every single game and they're performing, you're like, oh, that's just how they are. But if, you know, you're going to play New Zealand and they're in the corner and they're, really switched on and and they're doing something like i don't know whether it's like warming up or whatever looking at footage and then they go out and play really well but then the next game is against someone that maybe might not be seen as as good and then they're doing something completely different it's like well now now there's now there's something wrong here whereas like if every single game they're just taking the piss and that's just who they are then it's fine and then i think as well like doing like when i warm up and i'm trying to go as hard as possible not as hard as possible you get what i mean um I feel as though that sometimes maybe it helps bring like others along to an extent, you know, because if you're seen as like one of the leaders in the group or one of like the older guys and you're just taking the piss the whole time or if you're not really trying, then maybe one of the younger lads might be like, oh, well, he's not really, you know, doing much. So I don't really have to do much either. Maybe I'm just overthinking it, but um there could be a bit of that as well like body language is huge isn't it really
2: Uh oh, huge like that was always a massive one for me as soon as uh either someone goes a bit quiet or the head's down or the shoulders down even in the warm-up or doing a bit of video before um it's amazing how quickly that can spread likewise if someone's being an energizer uh, they don't have to be doing anything crazy but if you're the one who's really zipping passes around chasing with intent chatting it spreads like wildfire um and yeah, t- quite often you just have that feeling. You kind of know where a game's going to go, maybe, or like, are you going to be in an arm wrestle by the end? Are you going to get blown out of the water? Are you gonna, just going to come out firing at the start? You kind of you kind of know all that from the from the beginning, really.
0: Yeah, I agree. On, on the um, sort of the joking around, it's sometimes good to have someone who likes a bit of a joke because they can sometimes relax. But too much of it, I think, can can. Sp- sort of take away from what you trip the focus of the warm-up so having those energizers but having someone that also can bring a bit of humor to the warm-up can sometimes you know you know, bring the stress levels down and you know sometimes it can lift energy but if they're doing it all the time and it and it's and it's not the right way of doing it that can definitely you know br- bring bring it bring the sort of team morale and the the sort of warm-up standards down i think so so find balance so find balance
1: find balance i i had a very interesting conversation yesterday actually with uh, any of our podcast listeners who enjoy a bit of rugby, uh, was with Paul O'Connell, actually. Um, he's a big, a big, strong man down from Munster. Uh, but he's obviously involved with the men's 15s, and they're in camp at the moment.
2: Is he, is he running around shouting, put the fear of God into people's hearts? <laughs> or, uh, <laughs> I absolutely, like- I absolutely <laughs> love that video of him.
1: Lads, he is like a softly spoken big bear of a man, you know. Like, he walks into a room and everyone is like, Oh, quiet, like, you know, they just you're looking around, sort of like, Oh my god, Paul O'Connell. And <laughs> the other day, uh, so when we were in Hamilton, there's a bit of distraction here, but when we were in Hamilton, there was um, these big, huge bottles of milk in the fridge, and every day I was like drinking load of it because it was so tasty and the school I went to in in Tipperary had brilliant milk whatever so the lads were taking the piss out of me calling me like the milkman or in Irish is is banya boy or banya buccal (laughs) like so banya's milk buccal is boy so banya buccal I sat down in training yesterday Paul O'Connor comes in with a tray of food and a pint of milk and he just picks it up and skulls the whole thing <laughs> in one go puts it down and then just tucks into his meal
2: So that's exactly how i think paul o'connell eats every meal as well
1: yeah he just skulls like a whole pint of milk before he gets going like now he's ready but anyway spoke to him yesterday uh just i wanted to sort of get some in, like info or just like um just like bits from Paul, because he obviously captained Munster Ireland and the Lions as well, so highly respected in world rugby, and he's coaching with the Irish 15s, and they're in camp at the moment, so um, we don't really cross paths that much in terms of the 15s and the 7s, they're only in during Six Nations and November International, so I just wanted to try and grab him and talk to him and just ask him about, you know, like these things that are going on in the 7s that I'd love to, from a leadership point of view, try and... um help other players or like bring them along and, and maintain consistency within our results and the way that we play and sort of basically everything that we just talked about and try and get some insight into him. Um, we chatted for about 20 minutes, but, um, it was funny that sort of, he had some similar experiences to what we're, we've we had in, in, in the sevens as he had in Munster. Like, um, he said in the heyday of Munster, everybody was, incredibly, incredibly close. Like they were all best mates. They probably were all around the same age. And so with the sevens team, we were the same probably just before um, the Olympics because it was like that core group that all started the sevens program. And I'd say there was like a four-year difference between the oldest and the youngest. We were all within like four years of each other. And now like I'm 29, there's lads who are like 19 or 20. Um, and he said in the heyday monster, you could say or call anybody whatever you wanted in training if they messed up because they knew each other and it didn't make any difference and they were effing and blinding each other. But you know, as time goes on, new people come in, people retire, and then sort of dynamic shifts, or you yell at someone, and then they don't take it the same way as you know that you would have thought they would have. And um, like the learning there that he took over the years and probably further into his career when there was definitely a lot more people that he wouldn't have known as well and the age gap was different. Uh, he summarized it as, leadership is the way that you make people feel, which was like sort of a quote that I wasn't really expecting him to say. You know, leadership probably like, oh, it's, you, lead, you lead by actions or it's like the things you do off the field and all these things. But he's like, no, if I had to summarize leadership in one sentence it's how you make people feel and which i really took a lot from i was like wow like that that was really interesting it's probably something i could have come up with after a while and thinking about it but the more and more i think about it and situations on and off the field and trying to help people learn or get clarity and all those types of things it's like geez actually you know how you make people feel how you speak to them is how you're going to get the best out of them and lead them so that was like a small thing a small thing there that i took and then the other two points was clarity and preparation which probably would be two things that we both we would know pretty well uh <laughs> and we able to leadership <laughs> thing was was very 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 interesting to me really interesting
2: unreal that's so sick to chat to him about that
1: yeah it was fantastic and you know he's like so so nice and paul and i Again, we didn't know each other, but I was in Munster in the academy when he was there. I actually played a club game with him. Yeah, so like we knew of each other. My my first my first club game at men's level was with Paul O'Connell. Um, so he's a young Munster club down in Limerick. He suffered with like osteitis pubis, I think, or he he might have got an infection. Might have got an infection even in in his in the bone somewhere something that like literally he was a year year and a half gone so his fir- like first action back to rugby was back with his club and just so happened that I was playing but I'll never forget the first uh, week I was a Munster, finished training I was walking down this corridor it's like one of those movies you know like darkly lit corridor no one's around you know total scene I'm walking through and this bloody giant comes walking down the other side and it's paul o'connell and i'd never met him before i'm a week into the academy i'm 21 or 22 probably and he goes hi harry take your pants off (laughs) (laughs) i'm
0: gonna make you feel sexually intimidated
1: (laughs) well no he literally goes hi harry i'm paul He he shouldn't have known my name for any reason whatsoever. Just another young academy boy coming into the system sort of thing. I've only been there maybe a week at most. It's like, and then, hi, Aaron, Paul, whatever. That's me, so.
2: How how high was your voice when you tried to reply to him then? Hi, (laughs) Paul. I don't even think I got a reply
1: out. I just ran away. Hi, bye. (laughs) I I love you, Paul. I love you, Paul. (laughs) Well that's cool. Yeah. So yeah, he's a good he's a great guy. Uh really and you know, they're prepping for a France game this week and he managed to, you know, give me twenty minutes of his time to come and speak with me on, on something that he doesn't have to engage in at all, you know.
2: I was gonna say, did he uh did he ask you any questions about travel influencing or how to take some pictures and, and stuff like that?
1: No, nah, 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 I didn't didn't quite get the time ta- didn't didn't quite get to that, you know. Um yeah, he was. he's only limit, limited to 20 minutes for a chat. I'll have to get him next week, maybe. Um, I can give him some tips on you know maybe the travel over to where are they Scotland in two, two, three weeks. Maybe I can give him some tips and pointers on how to get the most out of that flight or something. Um, how to deal with jet lag.
0: Jet lag, yeah.
1: 30-minute <laughs> sure. jet lag. 30-minute <laughs> jet lag.
0: Crossing <laughs> across zero time zones. <laughs>
1: yeah. oh mate, you're going to need this. Melatonin, get it in your life. the blue glasses, Paul. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Class that he gave you the the time to speak to you. And like I say, he remembered well, he knew your name before when you were in the academy, because it makes a huge difference. Just makes you feel a bit more comfortable and um rather than him ignoring you and doing the opposite. When
2: we um uh, down in uni next term, we went into the Chiefs to play in an A-League game, and that was something um Rob Baxter did. There was literally like ten of us And uh, he walked into the changing room and got every single one of our names right just straight away. And uh, I think that's always a mark of a good man, good coach, good leader that uh, you kind of take that time to do stuff, which comes back to that point you and uh, Paul were making about how you made people feel. Suddenly like, oh, Jesus Christ, he knows who we are. We're here for a reason, here for a purpose, like feel part of it. Um, So, yeah, like I've always, uh, I'm always very impressed when uh, people are like that.
0: I've just got this image of Paul O'Connell singing along to Michael Jackson. It's the way you make me feel <laughs>
2: just cover in a
0: in a pool of milk, like.
1: <laughs> Rising from the milk, like
0: sculling pints of milk. Nah, fair play. The
1: milkman and the Bonya Bucle. Like <laughs> <laughs> even going back to like names and things, uh, he was saying that um like during Joe Schmidt's time, like I guess to make sure that lads are switched on and then to, you know, bring an impression to them like that he was so ready for a game that was coming up. It didn't matter what team that they were playing against. Um, he would know the name of every single player on the opposing team, whether it was New Zealand or Romania. So like he'd be yeah. in the room and he would know the entire Romanian team's name and like how to pronounce it, everything. And then so people, he would say like Paul was saying like, so there'd be players in the room being like, oh my God, like, this is so impressive.
2: I, I hear, doesn't he? Uh, I think it was um him who he, he then like asked someone. He'd be like, "Oh, what um foot does like your opposition player kick off or something like that?" And like, probably like re- like really dive like really dive in to be like, right, you've what you say you've watched the video or analyze them, but like how d- how deep have you got into it?
0: left no right psyche kicks off both feet
2: <laughs> <laughs> he's got no feet boy
0: he's not even a real player he's not even in the team
1: <laughs> his son was involved in the seventh program for a while tim but they he was saying like the tv was on in the living room just on the sports channel like 24 hours just it didn't matter what it was it was just sport on at all times and he's an avid does they have
2: loads of cat have loads of cats as well or something like that? Is that a chat around him?
1: That I do not know. Cannot confirm sure. nor deny. I'm pretty
2: sure that's the chat for him. He's sort of got the sports channel on just keep the cats entertained.
1: <laughs> but the you know then you were saying about what like players do what I don't know if Cecil told you that story about Paul True when he was coaching in South Africa. Or when yeah, yeah, when he was coaching South Africa. Um he'd walk around with a briefcase. <laughs> and like there was uh, there was one lift in like SAS, it's South African Sports Academy or whatever it is, um down in Stellenbosch, Stellenbosch Academy of Sport. Uh, there you yeah, go. There. Yeah, yeah. The, it's it's a one-story building, but they've got a lift in there. So like some of the lads would take it. But supposedly Paul True would like, you know, the hand would come around when the door was closing on the elevator, sort of thing. <laughs> and he'd slide in and he'd just be walking around with this briefcase and then the doors would close and he'd just look at you. And he'd open up the briefcase and it would be like a play from one of the teams that you were playing against. And then he'd ask you, like, what each player on your side had to do. So if you were the winger, you need to know, like, where the hooker was going to be and things. And then the doors would open. He'd, like, close the briefcase and walk out.
2: <laughs> I love that.
1: Absolutely brilliant. Oh, man. So, some characters that go through that seven series, like,
0: are you gonna make your effort to learn the names of every other opposition player? Because it'd be quite hard on the seven series. What with fifteen teams, twelve players on each team,
2: you'd be screwed. You'd be screwed on day two as well. That's a whole another
1: load of names to learn.
0: You've got to rack up one hundred and eighty names plus the traveling reserves.
1: Look, try our best anyway, and it's something that I will will take forward. Even like you know, say if it was a case of doing some analysis before like for the team let's say the forwards took scrums and lineouts and we had to present it to the rest of the team at least if we were just showing say for argument's sake France then at least pick up the names that are involved in that play like in that play or in that clip and be like you know the this Perez is going to throw it into Lajelle is going to move it here sort of thing.
2: The um I don't know if you ever have it in Ireland though, but like there's there's obviously you can learn the names, but there's often like the names or the nicknames given to players by other teams that obviously aren't like common knowledge. So I don't know I d I don't know whether we jump into that on a different pod I need to work out whether it's is harsh or not, some of the nicknames. Um
1: oh, so nicknames that you've given to someone on another team.
2: They have no idea that's their nickname, but that is their nickname to everyone in say like the Welsh team. Do you know what I mean?
1: I can think of one not a bad one, but uh, Lindsay Haig, when he used to play for England, uh, we used to call him the grasshopper. Was he called the
2: grasshopper? No, no, he's always called the swan, just because he swans around. Uh. No, fair, we were like
1: the grasshopper because he basically just like, comes around the place.
2: That's quite, that's quite a nice one. There's there's a few ones that I don't think the people would particularly like if they uh if they heard them. So um, maybe, maybe for another pod. that. Uh.
0: Yeah, we'll save we'll save that for another pod, uh, for for sure. Bringing it bring it back to the sevens, uh, standings wise, New Zealand top of the men, uh, nine points clear of South Africa, seventeen points clear of Samoa and France, who are in joint third. USA have dropped from second to seventh, and ten points, like you said, separate Samoa in third and Ireland in ninth. Uh, at the bottom, Uruguay uh the eleventh spot at safety on twenty four points. Then Kenya, Spain, and Canada. In the relegation playoffs and Japan are 18 points adrift on six points. They look dead and buried. Uh, But the six tournaments left, not even halfway through yet. Uh, For the women, New Zealand top on 78, 12 points clear of Australia and USA uh, in joint second. France and Ireland are a further 14 points back on 52. And Fiji and Great Britain are on 36 points. So, yeah, three events left for the women. And New Zealand only need to take forty eight out of sixty points to win that title um, but yeah doc what's your thoughts on firstly like the dominance of New zealand and uh the the standings
2: yeah it's it's quite incredible uh with the men's and the women 's uh new zealand you, you, we were talking earlier about that mentality, that mindset kind of ups and downs of tournaments or seasons like it's just incredible. Like, I'd love to get into like a proper New Zealand camp and just see, listen to the chats they're having, get their insight on why they're able to keep staying at that that top level. Like, they're obviously very good players, but there's loads of very good players in every team. Uh, how do they just always seem to like they win the clutch games? The bounce, of the ball does seem to go their way, but it's obviously not just luck. There's definitely like an attitude and a mindset and maybe a, a structure or game plan that they're sticking to. And yeah, it's just mad how it just always seems to work so well. They've obviously had one or two blips in, in the last couple of years where um, I think was there once or twice, maybe they didn't make it into the cup quarter finals. But apart from that, if they get to the cup quarterfinals, finals, uh, they're pretty much always going onto the, onto the final. Like it's, it's, a, it's mad.
1: Oh, it's really, really interesting. It's, it's it's really hard to get your head around in terms of how how they're able to just do it all the time. Um one thing that I did pick up from them before was that um they do and you probably notice with the men is there's quite a, a big squad rotation it, during the tournament. So at the end of a tournament most most like of the minutes are actually spread like the, everyone's sort of averaging the same amount of minutes which is quite an interesting concept um
2: the, the, I, I I agree with that there, there's a few examples that i can think of where they've equally gone down to like eight or nine players and they still like they're still either winning a final or like right in a final so I'm, all, I'm also like they're just, like there is good squad rotation, but it doesn't seem to matter if you put seven of them into a tournament, like I bet they probably do pretty well in it. Um, one thing I did see um, Clark Laidlaw, uh New Zealand men's um, head coach put up was a picture of them after winning the cup and he just put direction, not destination. And uh, that was probably the most insight I've seen into where their heads are and where they're going, or how they approach things. And I guess it's the same as the, uh, it's the journey rather than the destination where you're going to. But that seems to be quite strong for them. Maybe it's staying in the moment, just making sure you're doing as much as possible to put you and the team in the best position. But yeah, it's always uh, very impressive with uh, how often. They're in the cup final, not just during a season, but over seasons and seasons. Very impressive.
0: Yeah, it is very impressive. And it kind of puts both teams in good stead. They're both top in their the respective leaderboards. I mean, for the women, there's only three tournaments left. So it puts them in a very strong position. But for the men, I mean, there's still six tournaments left. We're not even halfway through. So. But it does put them in a good position to, to make the Olympic qualification at least. And the interesting thing from both the men and the women is that France are up and about in those qualification spots. So, I mean, it will drop down. And it will make things interesting. So, any thoughts on that, Doc?
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's obviously um, France hosting the Olympics. So, they get an automatic qualification um, like it doesn't really matter where they finish on the table, to be honest, because they've already got it qualified. It's just uh yeah, who they're taking points away from when it comes to core final, semifinals. Like they're obviously in quality form this year. Um and like we touched on earlier, there's ten points now separating third to ninth. So uh, where there was maybe starting to have some gaps forming it's now after the last two tournaments that third to ninth where Samoa in third island in ninth anyone between there could win it um the one probably slightly worrying thing was that pre these tournaments Uruguay were in that kind of like middle safe zone with GV where they didn't seem like they were gonna be in the relegation zone or getting too but equally not getting anywhere near the top four um, they seem to be slowly slipping back down towards that danger zone with Kenya only three points behind them. So um, they need to... Uh, I don't know whether they obviously started really well. I don't know whether it's the first time on the series. Uh, again, used to play in these 10 tournaments. Obviously, Harry, you'll have some good insight into this having done um similar journey to Uruguay. Was that, was that something that hit you in the first season, do you reckon, or... Um, you guys always played loads of tournaments all year anyway.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting one actually, this is Ireland's first ever full year on the series technically um, if you want to put it that way Uh, so yeah we would have played lots of like kind of tournaments during the year but a lot of them would have been focused probably around the summertime with Rugby Europe and then a couple of qualifiers and like you get a World Cup and you get Hong Kong and an invite to London and Paris but usually it's kind of from may till like july august and then sort of doing your own thing for the rest of the year but uh the year that we qualified for the world series it actually finished after vancouver because covid hit so we did six but um yeah like i think it's a big learning curve being able to do like back to back tournaments multiple times a year rather than just doing london and paris let's say in an invite tournament and then get a couple weeks off, play a tournament here in Europe, play another one there. So like from Uruguay standpoint, like there's a lot of travel. I don't even want to know what the travel is like from Uruguay itself. You know, being in Ireland, you've got London, Paris, um, and like all these major hubs that you can access really easily if you need to get like an obscure flight, let's say, or through Dubai, Qatar, fly direct to LA, like Uruguay, could easily have to fly from, I don't know where Uruguay to Brazil, Brazil to Madrid, Madrid to somewhere else. I guess similar um, to
2: Argentina, isn't it? They always, yeah. I think they, I think they've got one of the worst travel or total flight times for the year Argentina. So I assume
1: Uruguay are the same. If, as far as I'm aware, Uruguay went to New Zealand the ro- the long way around. I think that they went ended up going like Uruguay, Brazil, Brazil, Somewhere in Europe, Europe to like Dubai and then dubai New Zealand, or something along those lines rather than like i don't know Uruguay to California and then California direct to New Zealand or i don't know how you would even go that Chile maybe you go straight from Chile but um that's a big factor you know um, and being able to deal with that and learn about it and how to what works for you and um yeah and then just backing it up and uh, trying to be able to keep getting good results it's it's difficult but um, I, you know they've got they've gotten out of the pool once and they've done pretty well in some, some games and things and uh, they've obviously been pushing for that spot outside of the bottom four which uh, is seen is a really difficult position to be in isn't it you know four teams off is crazy
0: yeah I think as well one other thing is other teams are maybe getting more information about them obviously they're new to the series uh, analysis they've played five tournaments now so they're going to have a lot more footage and a lot more understanding of how they play the systems that you know who are their key players so maybe it's a case of other teams working them out and also a case of other teams improving you know great britain have only been together now they made their second quarter final so they're on the up uh kenya i I, again their new coach uh players retiring so they've got a changing of the guard so i think it's not just a case of uruguay maybe dropping off a little bit but Maybe other teams getting better and other teams working them out. But it's really interesting, I think, is the fact that you've got nine teams competing for the top four, but there's 10 teams that could make the quarterfinals. So two two have got to miss out every week. You know, this week it was Argentina and uh, USA. Um, You know, you missed out previously harry um 3 tournaments ago it only takes kenya to make a, a top half and they're they're sort of out the relegation battle so it's uh it's competitive and it's it's interesting and it's a, a long way to go yet so there's going to be many more twists and turns i can imagine
2: i think um the womens is also quite interesting obviously we're saying there there's quite a few teams in contention for it like I don't know what's worse. Like, so in the women's, uh, obviously France are fourth for the moment, joint with Ireland. Uh, obviously France won't get that fourth spot. So then it turns into can Fiji and Great Britain catch up to Ireland? And uh, it's just an interesting mindset in terms of where there's probably, we chatted just now, uh, six teams competing to try and get into those, uh, the probably third and fourth position in the men's. There's probably now like a straight, three team shootout depending on whether um uh yeah who can get into that uh, fourth spot i guess just purely because it looks like usa australia new zealand are pulling away a little bit um what would you rather where potentially nine of you are shooting it out or where you know there's just three of you going for uh going for that, those spots where you can plan it out a little bit more
1: i don't like it's it's a hard one, isn't it, really? Uh, the only
2: reason I remember is when we've been in a bit of a relegation battle, we were pretty much there with four teams. And if you were the bottom one, you were obviously out of there. Um, so it turned into you were always looking at where was basically the other two, three teams drawn, finishing, day two, all of that whereas kind of with because there's so many of the men compete for those positions it probably gets lost a little bit and I don't know whether that's better because you maybe don't concentrate on it as much and you just play your game and put yourself in the best situation I think we literally got obsessed probably to a bit of our detriment I think is the other teams down there where you just almost watching what other teams were doing rather than just purely concentrating on yourselves
1: yeah I think you're right in that there's it would be getting lost a little bit more and not as important, but I think maybe more so at the end of a tournament when it's over and you see the standings and the points, that's sort of where it comes into a bit more from our point of view. You know, we're ninth, but we're like, geez, we're only 10 points away from third. Like give us one good tournament and um, we can be right back up in it. And also knowing that, as we said earlier, there's like eight teams go to the quarters, but there's probably 10 teams, at the moment that have um gone up there this season it means that two of those teams aren't going and you just want to make sure that you're not one of those teams and like I guess in the back of your head you're kinda of like geez if that team doesn't make it through like that'll be um a big push for us sort of thing. Um and then yeah the whole France thing is quite interesting because with the men playing so well at the moment like they could easily knock a team out of the pool or a quarter. And that team could really be fighting for points and it doesn't matter anything to France, but they're playing well and they, they're a competitive team. And, you know, are not just going to be like, Oh, here's a win. So you can get through and try and qualify for the Olympics, obviously. So you always have to like, it's kind of interesting when you see those kind of games come up and you're like, Oh, like, you know, France, the France win here, then it's tough for that other side or whatever, but that's just the way it goes, um, which makes it interesting and exciting. And it's, one of the the most competitive or it is the most competitive the sevens has ever been from a standings point of view Uh, yeah
0: definitely and it's reflected in the fact that five men's teams different teams have won the first five events um looking ahead is la next on the 25th which is men's only but you talked about 10 teams possibly trying to fit into eight. you know pule's got new zealand samoa usa so one of them ain't making it and then Pool D, France, Great Britain, Argentina, and even Spain, you know, that's a really, really tough pool there. So, um, but yeah, and there's no easy pools like we said, but it's uh it's certainly hot enough. Uh any closing thoughts, gentlemen?
2: Uh if I could throw back to the start of the pod where you're talking about Nighty being a shambles after a night out, when we get to the Vancouver pod, I'll uh, revisit Nighty up Whistler post the post the Roxy. Massive shambles
1: some night out there hey remember who did we walk back from bloody the hotel or from the from the basement in canada last uh, time we'll,
2: last? we'll save it for we'll save it for the vancouver pod you'll be you'll be embarrassed with that you'll be embarrassed <laughs>
0: right lads pleasure as always uh we are on social media uh find us give us a review doc will send you a running plan if you give us a five-star review uh any shout outs doc before we go
2: uh yeah it's so a big shout out to uh swedish dj sven goodvinson he's going to be uh handling all the questions in the uh instagram inbox um the only catches: if you send him a question you've got to rate one of his uh transmixes and give him some honest feedback and then uh he'll answer your question from the pod for you so yeah get your messages in
0: mad look sven. what a guy handed in our socials this week top top bloke anyway lads thanks for thanks for stopping by thanks for tuning in uh yeah you come back.
2: Solange border